All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's time for the Wally Mathot Show. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Welcome to the Wally Mathot Show, everybody. I'm Brent Wallace. He is the Tin Man, Mark Mathot. As always, uh, the show brought to you by BEI Bonisher Excavating Inc. Math, uh, did, did you know that that board was coming? What we're talking about is uh, on Tuesday in the TSN broadcast, they put up a note with Keith Yandel as his Ironman streak hit 965 games, and then he compared that to Carlo Koliakovo's most consecutive games played and Mark Mathot's. They weren't the same number. Anyway, they called you the Tin Men hurtful well well they didn't call me the tin man on the broadcast but i think sean mckenzie or a couple people were joking with that but the the board said tin man right it said iron man versus tin man yes oh i didn't i didn't even see that well what yeah we were having some fun and i mean it's it's legitimate uh i i I can remember getting sick every single season so that would cut that in half at least and then, of course, some of the injuries that I've had would eliminate any potential streak. So some guys are soft. I was probably a little on the softer side. I don't know if soft. Uh, by the way, the longest streak you had was 48 games. I think it was uh, perhaps the way you played the game. Yeah. Well, OK, now you're being nice to me, Wally. Uh, yeah, that, that that has certainly an effect. I, I always wanted to play as much as I could consecutive games, but it just wasn't in the cards for me. I, whether it was an, uh, you know, an injury or getting sick, I was always doing, I'm a high strung guy, a high stressed guy. So I'm always prone to getting these bugs or strep throat or anything. So yeah, we had fun with it though. It was cool. And the fans were giving me the gears too after the game. So um, I'm hoping people have short memories and we can just put this behind us. 
you're right. I'll never bring it up again. Um, <laughs> but what, what was it like the first time you had to sit out either due to injury or illness and not as a healthy scratch? Um, like, what do you mean? Like, as far as just not being able to play because I was yeah. hurt? Yeah, like for well, I mean, you, yeah, yeah, but you yeah. deal with that. You deal with that uh, even in minor hockey, right? Like, and then in junior, in junior, I was, I was, I was lucky. I played. I didn't really ever get hurt playing junior hockey. But once you get to the pros, man, with that grueling schedule, you're playing every other day. Especially with the way I played, you know, your your body's on the line. You're blocking shots. You're hitting guys. You're just it's inevitable. You're you're going to get banged up, and whether you can play through it or not is another entirely different conversation. But um, yeah, I mean, just I took pride in the way I played, and it wasn't always easy. You know, you get hurt when you play that way. Were you all, were you ever suggested to get into the lineup and play hurt? Oh yeah. Like when you played, when you played in, um, especially in the American league, back when I came into the NH or back when I came into the pro level, um, they expect you to play through a lot. And I, I still remember, um, I think I broke, I broke a knuckle or it was cracked and I had to play through that. Um, I had a, a sprained AC joint in my shoulder. Now my shoulders are all screwed up. I've got these huge hooks on them. Um, I had to play, I rather, I didn't have to play immediately after spraining my shoulder, but I had to come back pretty quickly. They had me on this little old school arm bike as rehab, um, you know, stuff like that. It's not quite as professional down there. I'm sure it's changed a lot now, but the idea of playing through injuries was very much a, a real thing when I first got to the, uh, the pro level. And I, I think they've made some nice steps since then, I don't think the expectation is to, to play through everything anymore, which is good. So um, it's changing for the better. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on. We'll get to uh, more about that wild scene, I guess, we saw in uh, Buffalo the other night, against, in Ottawa against Buffalo the other night with Aaron Dell. Uh, plus, our guest today in the Whitewater chat is Matt Duchesne, always entertaining. He and the uh, Nashville Predators are flying right now. Uh, now, you know, second in their division, and we'll see how far they can go this year. I think they came out of nowhere, really, for the most part, Matt. Right? Like, yeah, they're no, yeah. No one really they're, talks they're, about Nashville. No, but that's also that like central division. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, yeah. you don't really ever hear a whole lot from them, especially over here. Uh, but I do agree with you. Nashville's been flying under the radar, and they've been playing really good hockey lately. And yeah. if you look at their lineup, if you pay any attention to them, um, and and obviously Matt does a really good job describing it in the interview, they're a tough team. Um, and that's something Wally, I, I didn't really realize that, you know, like I, I know that they've been winning games and stringing together some wins, but I didn't realize that they played that sort of game because they were removed from that a little bit over the past yep. few years. So I think they're kind of, they've almost kind of found this new identity. So good for them. Uh, one name though, Mark Borbietsky. Uh, so always oh, keep your yeah. head up. They lead the league in hits. <laughs> so yeah, yeah right? exactly. And no there one would have thought that was coming. All right. Um, Great. That, as always, brought to you by the cool, refreshing taste of whitewater beer. Pour a Legion Lager, Farmer's Daughter, or try a Wild Bog Cranberry-infused, or any of their great flavors, if you will. Uh, enjoy the show today. Remember to go to shopwhitewater.ca and use the Wallymathaw coupon code for 15% off. Whitewater, brewed by friends for friends. Time now for the headlines. Uh, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com, Canada's online casino and sportsbook. Sportsinteraction.com slash Wallymathaw for the most competitive odds on live daily betting. Uh, sports Interaction is Canada's online casino and sports book, and Met the Ottawa Senators will play against Carolina tonight uh, as they continue their four-game homestand. They will not have Drake Batherson, so let's just get right to it. Tuesday night, you're at the game. Aaron Dell, the goaltender, sticks his shoulder into Drake Batherson. Batherson's now on the shelf for four to six weeks. He's the Ottawa Senators' leading scorer, and I think we've used to say Thomas Shabbat was the MVP. I think if you had to pick now, it would be Drake Batherson. And he is gone and he's not going to the all-star game. It's a, 
I'm pissed. Uh, normally, I don't get too upset over these kinds of things, but for the untouchable yeah. goalie to not be able or to be able to throw his shoulder into an unsuspecting player, regardless if it's Ottawa Senator based or our good friend Drake Batherson, I'm pissed. Like, that's a bullshit play. Yeah, I agree. And I think. I think for me, I think what I'm trying to think about why everyone's so upset right now, obviously from the, you know, obvious aside that it's Drake Batherson, your best player. I think it's more coming off a play that was completely unnecessary, unpredictable, um, illegal. So I think, you you know, the fact that it was some random journeyman goaltender, I hate, maybe I shouldn't say that that might be a little offensive, no, but no, it's true. Um, you know, He's not necessarily an established goaltender, right? Like I know he's played a few years at the NHL level, but forget about his history. Um, he ha- well, mind you, no, we shouldn't forget about his history because he's been known to do this. Exactly. Seeing this now, like all the clips are popping up where he's he's taking these little liberties on people, and, he, and it's very subtle. But you can see that he's developed sort of a, a habit, right? Like you look at PK Subban with the slew footing; it became a bit of a habit in, in his PK's reputation, game, right? Where yep. it just kind of crept in, and I can speak to that a little bit because. You know, as a player, you start doing certain things out there and you can, you know, for whatever reason, they'll sometimes stick these, these habits, whether they're good or bad. And, and PK kind of fell into that with, with the slew footing. Obviously that's been addressed. You would think now with Aaron Dell and Drake Batherson, this is, this is something that isn't new to Aaron Dell. So I think that's why the fan base, including us as media people, where maybe we don't usually typically get emotionally attached or, 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 or have these feelings the way we have been lately. I'm pissed off too, Wally. Uh, it didn't need to happen, and I feel for Drake Batherson. I think also that the other element here is that he's just such a good guy. Yes. We've had him on the show. Yeah. He's very outspoken, um, very positive attitude, uh, terrific hockey player. So yeah, no, it's 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 unfortunate. I I think I think we're all mad because it's like that helpless feeling, right? It's some goaltender that probably shouldn't have done what he's done, and we don't know what to do about it other than bitch and moan about it online and 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 have Drake Batherson's back but it's not going to change anything. That high ankle sprain, Wally, that's going to last, as you know, for at least probably five weeks, I want yeah. to say. I mean, I'm not a doctor, of course, but I've had it before. It's not pleasant. So a couple of things. One, in the Matt Duchesne interview, we talk about Aaron Dell because he had a hit against the Nashville Predators, but it was before the three-game suspension come out. So that is addressed by Matt Duchesne. Um, that high ankle sprain, I can remember Yevgeny Malkin. I think he missed uh, 30 games or something with a high ankle sprain one year. And I've 30. never forgotten wow. that there was, it was an extremely long time. And so you never know how much damage there is or exactly what it is, but everybody sure. talks about, and you just mentioned having one about, they would rather have a break than they would a high ankle oh, yeah. sprain. And yeah. I, I like, I'm crushed for Drake. One, you, this whole family has got tickets. They're all planning to go to Las Vegas for the all-star game. I understand that that's not why Aaron Dell made the decision to do it. I just, it's all the after effects of what it, what transpires, but I, the one thing that I don't understand, and and I'm just as annoyed by this, there's no response other than Austin Watson with a stick tap on the shoulder or some nonsense. Well, Brady Brady went up to him in the second period. After okay, it said please don't do that again, Mister Dell. Well, like I would have. Yeah. So the only thing is they were down to ten forwards. I think if they had a full complement of twelve forwards, something would have happened. But I I'm just annoyed that you let your leading scorer uh, have no response to the goaltender. Well, okay. So I'll play devil's advocate here because you guys know I I was passionate about it too. But 
there are always two sides and I'm not going to question Brady Kachuk's character. I know that's not what you're doing, obviously, but um, we know that there's some tough players on this team that Paul can handle himself. Um, Josh Brown can handle himself. And then of course, Brady and Austin Watson, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out, but the point here is that it was a goaltender. It's almost kind of, it's uncharacteristic of a goaltender to do anything like that. Right. So it almost kind of puts everybody in this weird spot where it's like, okay, well, how am I going to handle a goalie right now? I can't go, challenge him i mean brady probably kind of did that when he approached him in the crease obviously aaron dell's not going to fight him so you've got a three nothing lead when this incident happens so if you're dj i'm assuming dj probably told the guys listen let's just focus on the score right now we've got a nice lead we want to win this game we haven't won a ton of games this year let's finish these guys off let's not turn this sideshow having said all that i do agree it's like i think if you're a fan or an outsider and you're watching the game wally you're, you're like, you're, you're yearning for some sort of pushback, right? Like you want a response uh, because you feel vindicated if something, if something does happen. But I mean, that was the approach they took. They figured, okay, let's just light them up. Let's get this shutout. They score out fourth goal and it gets his hat trick. You know, I, yeah, but okay. But like, what are you going to do? Right? Like, wh- so what's what, right. Okay. I, I, so I don't advocate. I got to make this clear. Me, I, I'm not, if I'm not, a, it, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say one last point. If yeah. it's me, my response would be, I'm going to go after their skilled guys. Like me being a big defenseman, that would have been my response. I agree. Because I'm not a tough guy. I'm not going to pretend like I'm some heavyweight and I'm going to go fight guys because like, that's not my game. I could handle myself if I needed to, but typically I would just play very physical. So I would have found one of their skilled guys and I would have lined them up the moment I had the chance, right? But that's not to say they weren't trying to do that. Maybe just nothing popped up. But Nothing happened, Matt. Nothing happened. It was a Sunday stroll for that game. Well, you can tell me nothing. Exactly. Buffalo didn't yeah. give a shit about playing anymore because they were all scared because they knew something should have happened. And Ottawa yeah. just did what they and they just lit up Aaron Dell because he couldn't stop anything because he's probably well, now thinking, is somebody going to come after me? Why isn't yeah. Austin Watson? And I, I, I preface this by saying I don't like to see people get hurt, but why isn't Austin Watson going after Rasmus Dahlin? or Jeff Skinner, or somebody. If it's not the goaltender, because you know you'll get suspended, and I don't really, at this point, you lost your best player for a while, and you would know this by now. I don't really care if it's a five-game suspension. I don't, I'm not well, paying no, the fine, mind you. Yeah. Well, but no something, gonna, no, okay. something well, needed to happen. Gonna, okay, well, if, okay. So let's. there's a few things here to unpack. So if you're, as you mentioned, Austin Watson as an example, and you yeah. could use, you could lump Josh Brown into that category as well. Yeah, sure. I put Sanford uh, in that um, group. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, anybody, anybody. So if you look at, if you look at Buffalo's lineup, because I remember watching them, I was at the game. There's who's, who in that lineup, other than Aaron Dell, who was the perpetrator, who in that lineup is going to answer the bell? Like, you know what I mean? Like, no yeah, one's going to fight You don't on give that, them the option. Group. You jump a guy. That's okay, what I'm saying. Okay. You get a major, and then you get tossed out of the game for that. Wally. I I know. That's why I'm saying if they had 12 forwards, it wouldn't have probably okay. mattered because they only have 10. That's okay. You're right. Sorry. So I agree with you. If you have a full lineup and you haven't lost Gambrell at this point and uh, Batherson, Batherson, you're not yeah. short two. Yeah, you're not you're not down two forwards. Then we can have a conversation. I I never liked it when a defenseman would go after somebody and then have to take a major potentially get kicked yep. out of the game. Cause you only have six of them back there. And, and, and really like it's key to have all six guys. I mean, rolling five and interchanging D partners and stuff is a nightmare. So I won't get into that, but yeah, maybe a role player up front, maybe, but I mean, I, what, what, nothing can change. Nothing will change the fact that Batherson's hurt. 
Um, I agree with you though, as far as the response goes, it would have been nice to maybe see something, but at the same time, it's like, you're up three, nothing. You're down two forwards. I can understand what's happening. So, but yes, hypothetically speaking with a full lineup, I'm sure the outcome would have been different. But if you're sit, okay. I don't know. I'm trying to be Drake Bowser, but he's too nice. So if, I don't know, you're, I don't even know, Tim Stutzlin, you're sitting on the training table and nobody is going to defend you. I, I just think that also sends a message to your players, your teammates. Like, uh, well, we're, so, okay. we're sorry, buddy, but what do so, you want us to do? So I'll be honest with you. What yeah. I would like to have seen happen is the, the, the proper meticulous um, way to, to address the situation is what I said earlier. It's to go after some skilled guys, make their yes. lives miserable. Um, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. But I think, especially being there and seeing the play happen, I, I didn't care for that. I wanted, I wanted someone to go after Aaron Dell or at least, at least like call him out on this. And I'm only saying this because this isn't the first time he's done it. So it's like, all yeah. I could think in my mind was like, okay, listen, you just did this. You're a fair game now. Like now you're fair game. And I don't want him to have a walk in the park for the rest of the game. I want him to experience what's what it's like for yes. a player to, to deliver a cheap shot on a guy and then have to answer the bell. There's a reason why when I played, and, and I'll use this as an example. Andrew Peters played for the Buffalo Sabres, right? Andrew mm -hmm. Peters has a podcast. He actually was on board with what we're saying right now. He he wasn't playing Homer for Andrew Dell. He was pretty critical on Twitter yesterday when he, you know, he's, he was saying it was a bullshit play. You know, when I played against Andrew Peters, I knew that if I went after a player like Tyler Ennis when he played for Buffalo, that there's a good chance a player like Andrew Peters would come after me. So that was a deterrent. Some people were arguing in my mentions about deterrence and how, well, it's not really a thing. And there was one guy at least that was doing it. That's bullshit. Trust me, it's a real thing. Any player will tell you this. When I know there's a guy on the other team that's going to come after me if I do something stupid, it's certainly going to make me think twice before I take a liberty on a player. So I wanted to see somebody do something to Andrew Dell. I'm not, I hate talking like this, by the way. I hate calling for blood. I'm not even a player anymore, but, but still. But I if think, you're going to do this nonsense, there has to be a response. Right. And, and if, I think, I think, yeah. If you I, I run. I don't like that he's a repeat offender. I don't like well, that he's a I know. repeat offender. He's, he's been doing this and no one's really doing anything about it. Stoney, Mark Stone got caught by Aaron Dell in one of the clips. For people that don't know what I'm talking about, you can easily find that online. Uh, Stoney got clipped pretty good by Aaron Dell when Aaron Dell played for San Jose. Yes. Stoney went right up to him and cross-checked him really hard. Um, but but right away, all the San Jose guys came to Aaron Dell's defense, right? So, But either way, I like the response by Stoney. Um, obviously, Batherson couldn't get up. That's a different situation. But yeah, I mean, I think we can keep going around in circles here. I think you and I are mostly on the same page. Here's one more thing that pisses me off about this whole entire incident. They weren't really helping Drake off the ice. And even Mike Johnson made a oh, comment in the broadcast of guys go help him. And then finally, okay. uh, I think it's Shabbat and Kachuk help skate him off the ice. He's about center ice. I'm like, like, yeah, I didn't like any of it. Now, when you talk about deterrence, I'm going to say if you ran Mika Zibanejad and Ryan Reeves is on the ice, uh, are you just waiting for your shift to get over? Uh, what do you, what do you mean? Am I waiting for my shift to get over? You I, talk about in deterrence. If Ryan Reeves comes over the boards and you know, you've just run yeah. one of his teammates, you're watching yeah. where Ryan Reeves is every second of the shift. Well, and it's not, and it's not about, it's not necessarily that Ryan Reeves is going to hit me hard or something. It's the fact that I know he's probably going to call me out in yeah. front of all these fans on TV and he's going to challenge me to a fight. And if I turn down the fight, it's going to make me look like a huge P U S S Y. Right. And as a player, we take pride in not being 
it's contact sport. Like I got news for people that are watching. That's, that's how you don't want to be a coward. Like you don't want to be that guy turning down a fight. It's humiliating. So, I mean, I I've turned down fights when it's like the big meatheads that I had to get challenged from, like when I first got into the league, but otherwise, like there's plenty of fights that I've had to get into. Like, I think one of the more one recent ones was like Crombie when Crombie played for Tampa, I, I caught him with a hip check. He, he, he came after me. I'm like, oh, I guess I got to fight him because I don't want to look like a pussy. So that's, that's how players think. And so, you know, that's, that's the approach. You mentioned Ryan Reeves. It's like, I'm going to have to fight him, whether I hold on for dear life or not. But yeah. the point is maybe I won't, maybe I'll think twice next time I see an opportunity to hit Mika Zibanejad or Artemi Panarin for the Rangers. Right. That's the power. And it's not just a guy like Ryan Reeves. It's anybody. Like if you're playing against the Ottawa senators and you know, Brady Kachuk or Nick Paul or Josh Brown might challenge you. It might make you think twice. So that's the importance of having a good response. Uh, this is very complex though, because I'm not calling for blood and I'm not saying they should have dropped the gloves with Aaron Dell. It's very complicated. I think in this situation, this is my final point in this situation, I think you go after, or at least try to make life very difficult physically on their skilled guys as a response. That's what I would have wanted to see. Cause that's, that's more realistic than challenging Aaron Dell to a fist fight. I would like to see him just pop him once in the beak. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, uh, on a lighter note, and by the way, we wish uh, Drake Bowson to get uh, well soon. Um, on a lighter note, as we've said now, Dra uh, Brady Kachuk is off to Vegas as the injury replacement for Drake Batherson. Um, that's the second time now Brady gets to go to the All-Star game as an injury replacement. He went in 2020 in St. Louis. Of course, that was with Matthew Kachuk and the Kachuk family. Um, this time, though, he gets to go see his big brother in Mark Stone, who lives in Vegas. So I'm just <laughs> hoping that I don't give a shit what happens at the All-Star game, that we see Brady yeah. with tarps off singing a duet <laughs> with Mark Stone somewhere. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious, too. Yeah, like, I, I mean, and that's... But that's that's how good of a that's how good of a person he is, right? Like, I still remember him on the dance floor, like pulling some older ladies with him onto the dance floor and twirling them around. And he's all he's got is his vest on. He's just a good guy, and that, um, you know. So I'm happy for him, really. I mean, that's that's his bread and butter. Vegas is is Brady's kind of speed. He's used to it. He likes he likes the likes the attention to a degree in a good way. He handles it very well. He's a great ambassador for the game and for the Ottawa Senators. So. I can't, I mean, you could have made an argument for Thomas Shabbat, obviously. And I, I, quite frankly, I mean, I've been watching Shabby play now for a few games. He looks, he looks terrific out there. I know he's not necessarily putting up a ton of points, but he easily could have been that guy too. So shout out to Tom Shabbat. He could have been there too. I consider him an all-star. I mean, hell, he was in the conversation for team Canada here for the Olympics wall. Right. So I think that that serves him as an all-star, you know, rep as well. But anyway, good for Brady. I'm happy for him and I'm sure he'll have a blast. It's only it's got to be based on position, right? Just at forward and defense, Correct. they needed to put it forward in. Yeah. So uh, Brady yep. gets the call. Um, well, we hope he does extremely well at the All Star game. Obviously, the uh, the other thing that happened against Buffalo was seeing Tyler Ennis, who had been a healthy scratch of late, score a hat trick, his second career hat trick for a guy that's just trying to fight his way into a lineup. Those are one of those cool moments, right? You know, Enzo's yeah. really well liked by his teammates, and he had a yeah. he, he's had an extremely good game. Um, What's it like, I guess, in the building? And I know it's quiet and there's not, I'm not talking about the fan wise, just to see him and how that all unfolded. Well, it was, it was cool. But for me, I, I just, just seen the reaction from his, from his teammates, right? Like when you, when you see how excited your coworkers get um, after scoring a goal, it, it says a lot about your character as a player, right? Players are happy for you, genuinely happy for you. And I'm not saying that 
there are, are times when a players might just sit there and ignore the fact that we scored a goal, but you can tell that the group was genuinely excited for Tyler yeah. Ennis. And, um, but I think on a great, like, actually, before I get to his line mates, you know, he gets scratched for two games, then comes back for the Columbus game. I think he got an assist in that game. I forgot about my notes in front of me, but, and then of course the hat trick against uh, Buffalo the other night, his team that he used to play with, that's the team he played for, for, for many years coming out uh, of junior hockey. So uh, very happy for him. He looked good. He looked confident. And and this was not just the goals. And that even going into the game, like he was handling the puck well with a lot of confidence. He was protecting it well. He's so good at that. You know, yeah. you got to think here. Like we're talking about a player who is what at best five. What is he? Five seven maybe. I, I don't know his height. Very small player. But he's been around the NHL for so long. He's done such a good job. So that speaks to his character, his toughness. Um, you know, his ability to just adapt in an environment that's very hostile and you're not a big guy. You're not the biggest fish in the pond by any means. Yeah. And he's been able to just kind of, he has this ability to buzz around the walls and avoid checks. He's got this really good evasive um, maneuvering that he's good at doing. He turns off of bodies and checks and he's good at protecting himself, which is why really you think about it, how often you see him get laid out out there. Sure. He might get pushed around a little bit, but very, um, very rarely do you see him get like laid out by a player given his size. So um, huge for him. Like I said, coming off two scratches, instead of taking it the wrong way, being negative, perhaps pouting about it, comes back, has a great response, which is what you want to see out of a veteran, particularly when you're scratched. Ego can play a huge part. Ego is never a good thing. It doesn't apply to Tyler Ennis. He's humble. You can see his approach to the game. He just loves playing. So very happy for him. He's got really good chemistry right now with his line mates and uh, Godette and um, Formanton. We could see their they're, they're really clicking right now. And saw some of those goals were gorgeous, Wally. The tic-tac-toe yeah. plays they were doing. So very happy for them. That line is buzzing. Luckily, given the circumstances on this team, they're, they're, they're healthy. No one's injured on that line. So I'm hoping DJ keeps them together. But we'll see how he approaches it now. Because now you've got a couple guys missing. Um, um, Gambrell's a centerman on that third line. That kind of screws things up a little bit. And, of course, with Batherson out now, we're going to have to see how they mix things up. When you talk about that, I was just going to make the joke that they've been watching you on the ODR and that's where they're picking up all their moves. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what? <laughs> I Jokes aside, I have been feeling pretty good lately. I, I got this new <laughs> stupid Theragun. It's like this massage gun I talked about on the show oh, that I bought yeah. at Costco. And I've been using it around my knee and it, it like on the muscles and it, it works really well. So lately I've been skating with my son and I, like I'm starting to have that like has been mentality where I'm like, you know what? I could, I could do it again. I could go out there and play with these guys. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to keep uh -huh. skating here and see how it feels. Do you have that thing, by the way, cranked up to full on the Theragun? Oh yeah. Level so, six. So oh my it God. goes to six and I just jam that sucker right in my leg. And I, I love it. Love oh, it. I turned it up one time. My kid has one similar to it. And I thought I was going to go right through my leg. <laughs> I know, but once, okay, and I'm sure people don't give two shits about a conversation right now, so I'll wrap it up. I mean, once you start using that thing more regularly, it doesn't yeah. hurt anymore, which goes to show you how tight you were in the first place. It's like uh, a foam roller for people listening that don't understand what Wally and I are talking about. It's a little massage gun. Anyway, it works wonders. All right, we're going to switch from uh, Ego you brought up earlier to Igor, as Igor Sokolov, ah. a friend of the show, is being Thanks, recalled. He'll be in the lineup uh, yeah. against Carolina, a Hurricanes team that's obviously played extremely well uh seven two and one i think in their last 10 games so now you don't have drake batherson who is your leading scorer you don't have connor brown uh second line right winger or sometimes first line depending right. so you're missing your top two right wingers 
Um, yeah, you don't, yeah. I don't believe Gambrell is available. Uh, this is going to be a tough match. Like, I don't even know how these lines are going to shake out, but this is now a tough grind for the Ottawa Senators. Like the, this, the all-star break will be very welcome. Yeah. And, and <laughs> this, this was a tough game for them against Carolina before they got yeah. all their injuries. Like this was, yeah. a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're playing against a very good hockey team. So, um, this is an, like I said, and I've said this before a million times, I know it gets really annoying, kind of cliche. This is opportunity now, right? So if you're a young guy, you're an Igor Sokolov, you are not lacking any motivation going into this game. This is an opportunity for you to show the, the organization, the fan base, whoever's watching that you belong. So I, I have noticed with this group, when they are down a few men, when they do have injuries, they're pretty resilient. Like th th this group can play uh, when they're injured or banged up a little bit. So I won't put it past them if they at least deliver a very competitive game. I'd love to see them win. I'd love to see them get this because it would be a nice moral victory for the group. Um, but um, I mean, you look at Carolina's lineup, Wally, and it's not pleasant to look at on mm. paper if you're Ottawa. Plus, plus, you don't have fans in the building. So that whole home ice advantage thing, aside from having the last change, is non-existent. It's just not there. I was there. Like that crowd noise. It's it, like they're doing the best they can, but it's it's bush league. Like you're there in the crowd, and occasionally like some random sounds will cut in and cut out, and you're thinking like it's 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 eerie and it's really weird. And it's no fault to the sends or uh, the the people in charge of the, the the sounds and the music. It's just the reality of what they're dealing with. So Carolina's got a clear cut advantage here tonight. Um, I'd love to see Ottawa make this competitive. For me, it's simple: stay out of the box, right? stay on the defensive side of play. Like you guys, guys like Sokolov and, and whatnot, like you're going to lose some scoring from Batherson, right? He's not in the lineup, but you don't need to be a skilled guy to defend well. Anybody can defend well. So know your assignments, right? Stick with it. Stay out of the penalty box. Keep your sticks down on the ice and at least keep this competitive. It's going to be a good test for, I'm assuming Matt Murray's going to play again. He's had a day off now. You got to think they're going to go back to him again, yep. unless I've heard otherwise. Okay. So it's a good test. We're going to have to wait and see what happens. But I, I do believe that Ottawa has an opportunity here, although it's going to be a daunting task. Well, you talk about they got to play well defensively and your number one defender is coming off his third career shutout with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, he's looked pretty good. Like we, we've we taken, I'll use the cliche, we've taken Matt down to the mat, if you will. But 3-0-1 uh, in his last four. Uh, his last 24 you starts. You can't help yourself. I, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's too easy. Um, his last 24 starts with Ottawa, which includes him starting this year at 0 and 7. He's 11, 10 and 1, a 906 mm -hmm. and a 299 goals against average. Those aren't the numbers like that we've been hammering him on, right? You would have thought Matt Murray had like a seven goals against average, by the way, that we have been hard on him and he has yeah. don't get me wrong he hasn't played well but but he's he's shown that there are signs here that he might be turning the corner yeah and, and the criticisms have been legitimate i mean i'm sure he would agree as much as he probably doesn't enjoy it i'm sure he's for sure he's not paying attention to it I'm, i sure shit wouldn't be if i wasn't playing good hockey um when i wasn't playing well my phone would be away like i wouldn't check twitter I wouldn't check anything yeah. because I knew it would just be negativity. Right. So as a player, you have to learn to separate yourself from that. And I think Matt Murray's got a family. He lives out and um, I think he lives out in like Dunrobin or he lives out outside of town somewhere. So he's separated from all the noise, which is good. Uh, but I think the, the, like I said earlier, and I'm repeating myself, the criticism has been relatively fair. 
because it was more about the timely saves that they weren't getting yep. from him, right? His numbers yep. are fine. It's not like he's been getting lit up. It's more just those timely saves that can cost you a game that we that I think Ottawa was dealing with with him. Whereas lately, um, you know, despite maybe the injuries here and there, he's been pretty good. So, you know, again, you have to help him though. You can't just expect him to go back there and stand on his head every night, although I think everyone wants that. Um, you have to be able to get those second and third opportunities away. Hopefully yeah. he makes that first initial save, but you need to be there to help him on those rebounds and all that stuff. And I know I'm getting into some detail, but the details matter. You want to win games. You want to be competitive. You got to help your goalie out. But for Matt Murray, I think we saw a very competent game from him the other night against Buffalo. He was positionally sound. He didn't look like, it, like he was never panicking. And he made some big saves while it's yeah. not like it was an easy game for him. He made it look very easy, but there were some timely saves that he was making where I thought, oh boy, like that could have easily have gone in. But he was very good. I want to see him string together a couple games now. I don't want to see the inconsistency. I want to see him play solid now. Like look at a five-game block, play good for five straight games. That's your goal. Come out and play. Make sure you're there for your teammates. You're making that first initial big save. Hopefully they're going to shovel out all the bullshit and you know allow those second and third opportunities to go away, and you'll be okay. More like welcome, Matt, if you will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I'm going to, after the, you know what, I'm going to save this till after the break. We're going to come back. I want to talk about Brady Kachuk and Nick Paul. So uh, coming up in the Whitewater chat, we've got Matt Duchesne. As always, uh, the Wally Method Show is brought to you by BEI, Bonisher Excavating Inc. Uh, they specialize in excavation, grading, drainage projects, also equipment rentals, aggregate, and topsoil sales. Go to BonisherExcavating.com. BEI, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome into the Whitewater chat room. Matt Duchesne of the Nashville Predators, the former one-time Ottawa Senator. Uh, 20-goal scorer now again for the eighth time in his NHL career. Uh, Matty, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. What have you been up to? <laughs> Man, just, uh, yeah. Playing hockey and being dad. That's about it, man. Just celebrated your 31st birthday. I got uh, got two little ones. Uh, My son uh, just turned three on the ninth. uh, And my daughter turned one on uh, the 9th of November. So, um, yeah, it's a busy house. I I, I call my (laughs) wife. I'm just like, ooh, man, she's right in the thick of things there. (laughs) That's why Meth wishes he was still playing. He has basically the same oh. age as. Yeah, like, and, and same situation. My son just turned four, my daughter's two, two year difference. So I, and, but unfortunately, I don't have the excuse to play hockey and go on the road. <laughs> so I'm a stay at home dad right now. It's, it's a lot of work. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot for sure. So basically, Meth would like this to be a three hour interview. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here we go. So I got some notes, as we always call them, pearls of wisdom. Brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. A couple of notes that we get to inform our uh, viewers of uh, things you've done in your career. So 113, that's the number of games to record 100 points with the Ottawa Senators. That's the third fastest in team history. Only Danny Heatley at 80 games and Alexi Yash in 107 were faster. Nine goals, that's scored on Roberto Luongo, the most you've scored against any goalie in your <laughs> career. Eight is the number of gold medals you have won with Canada at seven dish- different international events. And three overtime goals this season, which is an actual Nashville franchise record. Uh, and then we can add 20 goals. We could also add a whole other number of numbers, but oh, those right now eight, are the pros. Eight medals? Eight? Yeah. Um, I went, the only one I don't have is uh, World Juniors. 
Uh, wow. That's the only one. But I, I, I won. Uh, I was on the under 17 team in London that won under 18 worlds. There okay. was four of us that won as underagers that year uh, that won in uh, Russia. And then that summer, uh, the Ivan Holenka. So I had th- like, we, I was lucky enough to win three. It was Ryan Ellis and Taylor Hall were on all three of those teams too with me. So we won three, three medals, three gold medals from, I think it was like Christmas time in 2007 till, uh, August 2008. And then played another year junior, then played in the NHL, uh, after that. And then I, I, I like, I got a chance to play in the Spangler cup during the lockout. So we won right. that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. really cool. I always <laughs> joke that I'll have to be like, like when I'm done playing, I'll have to like get a gig with the world junior team, just as like a consultant or something. And just like, just so I could get that medal, like wait till they have a really good team, just so I can complete the, complete the clean sweep. So no, I've been very lucky and, um, obviously getting to play in the Olympics and, and, uh, and uh world um world cup and stuff I, i've been very lucky to, to represent canada and it's some of the biggest you know moments of my life and just very humbled to represent canada especially when you could pick probably three teams to send to the olympics and them all be competitive yeah, so yeah. um yeah it's been definitely i'm very proud of those things and um hopefully i get to play for canada again at some point does anybody have more medals i mean and i mean that seriously i because I, I don't know the numbers way wally would you know any I don't know decorated hockey players. To me, no. like eight medals seems excessive. Well, like, seven I, different I events know is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Anyway, I have one yeah. silver too, but that's that's in my nightstand drawer at my cottage. <laughs> that doesn't get hung up with the other ones. <laughs> Use it as a coaster. Use it as a, as a coaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That thing is folded up. <laughs> let me. Well, then let me ask about the Olympics since we're there. At 2014, can you describe? that because that team is regarded as a a great team that got built uh what that was like at the sochi olympics yeah i mean i was so young i was i just turned 23 the team got named i was 22 i was youngest guy on the team and i'll be honest i was scared to death um i i played i played better as it went but it was like it was it was scary like just representing canada and uh you know, at that age and, you know, playing for Mike Babcock, who obviously is a great coach and just wants things a certain way, you know, you just try not to make a mistake. And he's an intense guy and being in a locker room with, you know, some of the talent, that guys that are just like, you know, I remember going to the gold medal game and like Sid and, and Johnny Taves and Price and like Doughty and like some of these guys are just like walking around the room. Like it's just a preseason game. And I'm like sitting there like, <laughs> Oh my God, like, you know, like even before the States game, we beat the States in the semis, um, one, nothing. And, um, it, I remember it just being like, like just being so nervous for that game. Cause the States had a really good team. And, you know, we knew that if we got to the, the finals, we, we had a really good chance to win. That was kind of the, the biggest hurdle we had to get over. And, um, yeah, I mean, amazing, amazing experience. I, I think, I wish I got to experience it more now i think i would appreciate it more and not be as nervous i think it would just yeah. you have a different you have a different perspective when i played in the world cup the next time i i was way more comfortable and after the olympics i kind of vowed that okay like you know i i'm gonna be more relaxed next time around and um but it was i mean it's just such an honor to be part of that team and such a great experience and probably the biggest accomplishment in my hockey career was probably just even making that team to be honest winning the yeah. gold was was amazing, but just making that team with the talent that's in Canada, it's, and it's like, you look at year to year, I mean, you pick it, like if we got to the Olympics this, this year, 
you know, the team that would have went last year would have looked way different than this year. Probably half the team's different. So um, it's just playing for Canada is such a, uh, such a crazy thing. And it's, uh, yeah, like I said, I hope I get to do it again sometime. Is it, uh, were those meetings intense? Um, Not, I wouldn't say they were like intense. I I think like Babs is just a no BS straight to the point kind of guy. And it's just like, you know, the second time I played for him, I was more used to it. But the first time it was just like, you know, and he has such, he had such a reputation, obviously, as being Canada's coach and stuff like that. Right. So it was just like being and I was so young. I was so young. And and just like I was just like, man, don't cost the country a medal here. Don't cost the country a gold, you know, like don't mess up here. Like that was kind of, you know, probably what I thought a little too much. And, and once this once the tournament went on I got more comfortable and probably played my best games in the semis and the finals which was good but remember early on I was just like remember playing with I was playing with Getzlaff and Perry and those two had such a good such good chemistry and were in their primes and both having great years this year but they're they're both in their prime and I remember just being like hey just go stand in front of the net let these guys do their thing you know so I literally yeah. was just we Run played, a little uh, cycle down low <laughs> yeah yeah like and I love to play low but they, they like pairs was, is so good around the net and yeah. down low. So I was like, okay, don't get in his way. Just go stand in the high slot, stand in front of the net. And, <laughs> um, I remember we played, yeah, we played Austria and I just, I stapled myself to the crease, which probably wasn't a good thing. And, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like, I was just like, don't get in the way, you know? So I probably should have a little more confidence in myself, but at that point your, your career and when the stakes are that high, it's, it's intimidating for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question on the Olympics. Was there anybody on that team that you really disliked before you met them uh, in the room as a teammate? I, Corey Perry just automatically came to no mind because question. of the way he plays. So I was curious if there was anyone you had a run in with. No, not on that team. No, no, not, none of the Canadian boys. Um, I'm trying to, I'm just going through the roster in my head. Um, like someone you'd have like a bad interaction with on the ice or like, you'd always go back and forth with like a defense, you know, like, yeah, not, not on that team. No. I mean, like a guy like Webby, like you play against him in Nashville. He was, I mean, he was an intimidating guy to play against, but I never went at it with anybody. Like, no, like, you know, those little rivalries you get into, like, and you play, like we probably all have like three, four guys in the league or that over the course of our career that you're like, Oh, I hated that guy. You know, yep. uh, there was, there was no one on that team. No, there was, uh, which, which, yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Did, um, how do you celebrate a gold medal victory at an Olympics in Russia? <laughs> well, we had, so I got back, we partied at the, uh, like we, we're partying in the room, partied in the like NHLPA, like lounge, whatever at the rink with our families and stuff. And then I finally got back to the, uh, I remember I was with, I spent a lot of time with Johnny Taves and, and, uh, I'm, our parents were hanging out a lot together too. And so we were hanging out and Johnny went and walked in the final or in the, uh, the closing ceremonies. And remember he came back and then we went back to the Olympic village and we got back and our dorms, the hockey dorm was full of all the athletes like everyone was everywhere um outside inside the inside our dorm um just like i remember walking up and like the whole women's hockey team and curly team was like like and then like a bunch of the skier like a bunch of people were like in our like up, upstairs like in our common room because we had like so my bedroom was was i room with petrangelo and we were um our room was right off of like the common room where we did video and stuff 
And, uh, um, so I remember walking up there and it just being packed and then outside it was packed. It was just like a people are smoking cigars and having beers and champagne <laughs> and stuff. And then fireworks started going off. Cause it was the end. It was amazing. I have a video of it where I'm like talking to my buddies. I got a cigar and I got my gold medal on. So, um, yeah, pretty cool. I really cool. I remember, I remember getting on the plane to go, to go because we left like almost right away. Cause we had to get back. So we had a chartered plane and I get on the plane and, um, I sat back with my family for a bit and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm in one at this point. I've, I've had a lot of champagne and stuff. And that was back in the days when hangovers didn't hit quite as hard. But um, <laughs> I remember waking, I went up to my like pod in the front and we had pods that would lay right down. I slept for probably six hours and I woke up and I felt like someone kicked me in the head with a steel toe. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, from all the, sh- from the champagne, I was like, hoo, hoo, okay, that goes right to your head. I won't do that again. So it probably would have killed me at, the, at 31 now, but at, at 23, it, it was an easy shake off, shake off. So good. Um, the one thing you don't have, I'm also bringing up now is a Stanley cup, but the reason I bring it up is because the way your team has played of late, uh, you quietly, well, at least in the East, you've flown under the radar in Nashville since I think the beginning of December has the third best winning percentage in the national hockey league. I think you're 15, four and two. Um, what has transpired in uh, Nashville this year? Oh, it's been great. I think, <clears throat> um, when I got to the team, I think it was in a, I don't think people even in the organization knew, but we were at the start of almost a transition phase where it was like, I think the organization was really hanging on that 2017, um, that 2017 cup run. And there's high, high expectations every year. And that got heavy. And I think, I think some, maybe some changes in the way that the team played because the game changes, like Matthew, you know, like every three, four five years, the, the league changes and the style of game changes. And, and, and if you're not adapting to that, and, you know, it's tough. And I think our team was playing kind of an outdated style and there were some habits that need to be broken and little things like that. And this team was always built from the back end up and, and they had stud D men, but they were thin on forward. And then all of a sudden we were really strong on forward and it was just the, the way we were playing wasn't, wasn't working. So um, obviously we then you had a coaching change and, um, and I, I, yeah, me saying this is nothing. I'm not slighting anybody at, uh, nope. at all. Peter, Peter Laviolette was awesome. He was a big reason I signed here. Great guy, great coach, but you know, obviously a, a change of direction happened. Heinze came in. Um, everyone was on edge for a while. Guys trying to kind of figure things out. COVID hits, we go to the bubble. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that was like just a hard situation in general. Um, I'm actually in Edmonton. I'm sitting in Edmonton right now at the same hotel that we were at. Um, and then last year, just, it was like a lot of pressure again and like, just not good. And none of us had good seasons last year. And we were trying to figure things out with Heinze and he was trying to figure things out with us. And, um, you know, on paper, I think, I think a lot of people wrote a lot of us off individually and then on yeah. us off as a team and thinking, okay, their best years are behind them or whatever. And, um, you know, I don't think people realize how good UC Saros is. Um, which we, we knew, we knew from, I remember day one getting in Nashville and all the boys being like, this guy is unbelievable. I knew nothing about him and I played in his division for however long. So, um, yeah, I think, I think what you're seeing is just a mix of coaches and players coming together. Um, we have probably the toughest team in the league. I think we have like 11 more fighting majors than anyone else. 
yeah. we, we, we hit like crazy. Like we got Boro who's playing mm-hmm. out of his mind. I've played four years with Boro and this is the best hockey I've seen him play. He's just, he's awesome. a, he's an absolute force. Got Tanner Janot, who's potential rookie of the year candidate. And he He's definitely a, a little different than the rookie of the years you usually see in terms of his, he hits, he fights, he, he's as tough as anybody. And there's certain nights, like there's no answer across the other team. Like there's, yeah. there's no one to fight any of our guys. And we have like probably three, four guys that, that are willing to go at any point. So, and it's fun. I mean, we're having so much fun together. We have an unbelievable group of guys. There's not one guy in, <clears throat> there's not one guy in the room where you're kind of like not sure about them or like whatever, like everyone's just super tight and, and we, we've had a great group since I've been here. There, there's really never been anyone like that here. But this year is just everyone is so together and our leadership's really taking off. I think guys are getting are, are, are at their best that way. So it's just one of those things like, Matt, I know you've been on some good teams. I know that team that went almost went to the finals there. Like um, when it just comes together and it clicks, it's, it's fun. And I think we have that feel and we want to keep progressing and we know how good our division is right now. And um, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to, uh, you know, obviously go through our division in the playoffs, but at the same time, I think if, if you told me that we were, we were the last one standing at the end right now, as things sit, sit today, it wouldn't surprise me with just the character and skill we have. And it's just been a lot of fun. Dutch, I got a, I got a couple questions here, actually. The first one, I'll get to the, the, the toughness that you guys have in a second with John Hines. Cause I know he's kind of known he's coming in from Jersey, sort of known for being an excellent X's and O's type of coach I'm assuming does that sound correct to you because I've never yep. obviously played yep. for him so I don't know any better yeah is he a big reason to kind of solve the defensive issues that you guys were having I know I think you guys were leading goals against at some point I don't know when that was over yeah. the last couple seasons but I think you've kind of turned that around right is that because of his coaching style I think we made some changes like we were playing a man-on-man system and we were struggling with that a little bit I think certain teams do well with it but we yeah. we just weren't doing that well with it we were it's tough when I mean, and then we, we switched to like a more of a traditional zone, which I mean, like I was playing, I've been playing wing this year, but I was playing center at the time. And, and I like uh, the zone way better. I mean, yeah. you just, you're, you, you play that way your whole life. Right. Yep. So you're trained to play that way. And, and man on man, you lose your guy. I mean, that's a bad feeling um, and it's hard. And then you end up with D at the point, you end up with guys down low. Anyway, when he came in, that was one of the first things he implemented. And I think it helped us right away. And, and then I think defensively we fixed things pretty quick, but offensively guys were, you know, guys just weren't confident weren't feeling it. And you know what it's like, like you play with offensive guys, if you're not feeling it and it's like, oh, you, you don't have the confidence, you, you turn more pucks over trying not to turn them over, you know, and you're just like, you know, and you know, we didn't really have the leash at the time. Cause it was like, it was like, just wasn't going well. And so I, this year, I I give Heinze so much credit. I, I, we all talked and we all met with them, all our kind of top offensive guys. And he's just, he's, he's put all of us in the situation to have success and, and play our game. And I think it's autopilot. You go out there and it's like, okay, I just got to be me tonight. I'm going to play 18 to 20. I'm going to play first unit power play. Um, You know, and there's like Granlin, uh, Forsberg, Johansson are in the same boat. Like, you know, so you just go out and you, you just do you, you play your game and we know what he expects of us away from the puck and at certain points in the game. And we do those things the best we can. And we've been doing a good job of it. And, and then if, if, um, you know, we make a mistake, we have a turnover, whatever there's leash, there's rope. It's like, and we know we messed up and he trusts us. And that's yeah. the biggest thing. We trust him right now. And that wasn't there before. He didn't trust us. We didn't trust him. And 
you can't have that. I, you know, we, we had a really good conversation at the start of the year. And the one thing I said is we need to, we, we all need to be on the same team. It can't be the players versus the coaches and vice versa. And I think mm. that was, that can come in sometimes. I mean, I know you've probably seen that before when that happens and yep. everyone wants the same thing, but everyone's trying their best. And, and sometimes it just, it gets away from you a little bit. And I think, I think that's been such a great thing this year. And I mean, all of us would, run through a wall for him right now. I mean, that's just the, that's the way that it, it's, it's gone. And, um, you know, we're, we're having a blast plan together and for him and for the coaches all the, all together this year. Yeah. And your numbers back it up. So obviously something's clicking. And the other point that I wanted to ask you about was the toughness. Cause that, that's always a conversation around a lot of teams. Like some teams, people will argue, well, you know, that's sort of going by the wayside now the game's changing and we don't really need all that. Are you, do you think that that's a huge component that you guys have or an advantage rather over a lot of teams having that toughness? And does that allow you to kind of do more of what you need to do out there? Like, does it give you a little more confidence? I, I think for me, for the big thing is it, it's not like, it's not like back in the day when you'd have like a couple of huge, you're trying teams. to protect, like you're trying to protect certain guys, right? Like you remember, yeah. like I came in, we had a, we had a guy on our team. It's a great guy. Um, we played two minutes a night. He, yeah. he just fought and like, that's what it was. Right. There's none of that anymore. Everyone can play. And I think the thing that our toughness brings is over the course of 60 minutes are, we have so many guys that just finish so many checks that guys start to like, guys are just like, Oh my God, I got to go back for a puck. Or I got to go for like, <laughs> go get this puck like again and get like blown up by Boro or Janot or Trennan or, you know, um, Pick your poison. Or, you know, whoever, right? Like, and, and I think that's, that's been, um, that, that just over the course of time. And then, and then if somebody does hit somebody, like, you know, a couple of games, somebody hit granny and, and Boro goes right to them right away. Hey, we're going right now. And like, well, that, you, don't, you don't want to fight Boro. Like, he's literally the Hulk. Like, I call him the Hulk. Like, he's a lunatic and, on the ice. Yeah. He's, yeah. He, he, he has that tractor beam, right? He gets you in that tractor beam where he tries to hit you. You can't get out of it. You're no. dead. So, um, <laughs> You know, and then you got Jeaner, who is like built like a linebacker. Like I've never seen, he's a linebacker on skates and, you know, it, it, he, and he's just like, you know, a couple guys last night are, are you know, yipping or whatever, like ha what happens. And he just looks at the bench and says, Hey, like, and he's a young guy too. It's hilarious. It's, I laugh. I laugh. Like I got in a little like scuffle in Vegas and I'm coming back to the bench and we've got like five their leash on the bench, just screaming at the guy that like ripped my helmet off. It's so it's it brings us together and you know the majors and like even guys are the guys are doing just a great job and we're fighting at the right time we want to decrease our minors we take way too many minors but our majors that that's helped and just i mean teams know when they play us right now that they're 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 in for a, a long night whether we're on our game or not we, we compete and we play hard and and it's fun to watch and you know, I'm not the guy hitting and fighting, but it's fun to watch my teammates do that. And, and it's, and it brings us together for sure. So that leads me to Aaron Dell, who you guys had an issue with not too long ago, uh, got an interference penalty. Uh, I don't know if you saw last night's game, Drake Batherson uh, ends up, he's not going to the all-star yeah, game. Now I he's saw, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, what would the reaction have been from your bench? Had he taken you out uh, as you try to forecheck? I actually think um, one of our guys would have yeah. would have uh, went after him. <laughs> I'm not I, there was we were we actually were talking about it on the 
plane on the bus last night. And, um, you know, as I feel so sorry for Bath cause he's, he was going to the all-star game. He's a great kid stud, like going to be, he's already a sick player. He's, he's got the world by the tail and yeah. the, that first all-star game is a special, um, thing. And, and for him not to be able to go now is, is, you know, unfortunate. So yeah, I think, I think somebody might've, uh, taken exception to that. Uh, um, if that happened, the, the incident with us wasn't as bad, obviously him and Tolly were going for the puck and he just kind of, he hit him and obviously he can't do that cause we can't hit the goalie, but it wasn't dirty or anything, but you know, last night was, it was tough. It was a tough, little tough play. And, um, I think, uh, I think we would have had a few guys, uh, maybe, uh, take exception to that. Yeah. Like, I just can't, like, it was wild to watch anyway. They'll see what happens well, with it. that one. Well, he did it to Mark Stone too. Like it was pretty bad. And then yep. Stoney, I saw the video and Stoney went up and like cross-checked him and then got like swarmed by a bunch of players when he was in San Jose, when Dell was in San Jose, I believe. Right. Was that where he was? We were yeah. talking about that last night. I, I think that's right. Yeah. 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 So it's like, <clears throat> and I think a lot of people were arguing after the game, cause I was covering the game and a lot of the people were just saying, it's a goalie. Like, what do you do? Like, you're not going to like, you know, the refs are watching. If you run them, you're probably going to get suspended. So it's like, how do you handle? I think I think Dutchie nailed it right there. It's like have one guy just take one for the team and just grab him and ragdoll him on the ice at well, the very I, least, I right? Think, I, I think like at that point, I mean, yeah, you don't want to run him. You don't want to get suspension or whatever. And like you know, and guys do all kinds of stuff. I'm not trying. I don't want to take no, no, shots. No, I'm not trying to put him on the spot. Yeah, at, at him or anything for. But I'm sure if he had it had a choice, he would he would not do that again or whatever. And um you know, obviously he's competing and he's, he's a player out there on the ice and he's competing and whatever. I don't know the guy, I'm sure he's a great guy or, and, and, sure. you know, most guys are in the league, but I think, uh, yeah, I think at that point, you know, you, you, I, you kind of got to answer the bell whenever, you know, a guy gets hurt like that, you know what I mean? If he yep. doesn't get hurt, then it's kind of like, okay, you go on the power play two minutes, whatever, mm-hmm. kind of like our situation, but you know, guy like Bath gets hurt top, probably their top, top uh, player. Forward, he's the best player know, right now. Yeah. That much. Yeah, 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 I figured he would be. So that's tough. I mean, it's unfortunate. You don't want to see that. And, and for a guy to lose out in the All Star game and an accolade like that, Greg, like that's tough. Yeah. I I feel bad for him. And I'm sure if you gave Dell the opportunity to redo it, he wouldn't do it. So um, you know, hopefully, it's a learning experience for for everybody. And you know, whether you're goalie or a player, it's you got to you know respect each other out there. You know. Yeah. I hope you're right. I disagree with you, but I hope you're right. I think that. I think he meant to do yeah. it. Um, Wally wants hey, come blood. Here. And hey. obviously, Dutch is not going to call for his rough. head. What, where are you? Oh, 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 it's oh yeah. so, are you on the show right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> no, we're, we're talking about we're talking about the air. Moral, what's up, killer? Uh, let's get him with saying, the face. You're just saying that you might not have been too happy with that. Was, I might have to. Moral, let's see your shiner. puts up a let's see your shiner. Puts up a three or four spot in Buffalo. I might have to have 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 a little talk with that. Okay, I got some in-depth, hard-hitting questions for you. And one is, um, I tried to reach out to a few people that you knew in Ottawa about questions or stories. The one that kept coming back is how you always uh, made sure your hair was right for warm-up and uh, how long oh, it yeah. took and the product that you use. So is there a special product <laughs> that you had to have in your hair for a warm-up? Yeah, I, I had, uh, yeah, I have some stuff I use, uh, back then it was shorter. It was actually harder to, to tame back then, to be, be honest. I, my hair grows forward. So it's like hard to, but yeah, I mean, we always used to joke, uh, no one's worse than to zingle with his hair. Nobody. I, I'm, I'm, bad, 
Agreed. I'm only bad during uh, during for warm up because like you know you're on camera, people are taking pictures or whatever. But um, the rest of the time, I'm a perfectionist too in everything I do. So if, if there's like one thing out of place, like I go nuts. What well, doesn't matter what it is, whether I'm taping my stick or whatever. So that definitely um, pulls into that. But yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Zinger was the one who brought that up, trying to deflect it from his uh, his hair stuff. Let <laughs> me. I will read you the text I got. Uh, so I won't name names. Yeah, when I played on a line with him and Dezingle, I used to wonder if we'd be able to take line rushes and warm up. They took so long. Huh. Okay, so text Bobby back and tell him. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love text it. Bobby back and uh, and um, yeah, um, let me think of something for him. Usually, he was falling all over the ice somehow. So just yeah, he, he, we, were, we were just. We were just praying he wasn't going to toe pick on the line rushes. Fair enough. Uh, it's so good. So when's the last time that you wore a bucket in warm-up? Uh, Columbus. I got traded Columbus, and uh, um, we had a mandatory helmet rule. That is uh, so Bush League. I, I heard about that. I don't understand. It's the NHL, man. There's some team. I know. You know what? Like, my thing was, like, the reason I go no helmet is, like, I, everything I do is pretty thought out, and – and I remember watching like Joe was my guy, like as a kid. Right. And he wore no bucket and like he had this, this salad going like sick flow. Like, I mean, that's, and you, you sit in the stand. Here's the thing. You sit in the stands as a kid and it oh, makes you, know, you dream. It makes yeah. you dream about playing and doing that. Right. And it inspires, like, it's a small thing, but it inspires kids to like, Hey, you got to earn that. You got to, if you earned playing in the NHL, you can take your helmet off and warm up. And that when you're a kid, that's the coolest thing in the world. Right. So that, that's a big reason I started doing it was because it's like, I remember being that kid watching and if I could do that for somebody else, and that's such a motivation for me every day that I wake up and trying to be the best I can be is I was inspired to play the way I play and in the NHL by Joe Stack and Peter Forsberg. Those are my guys. And I, I like the, every day I step on the ice, I do things out there because I watch them do those things. And you know, if I can do that for, for another kid, even one little thing, or like it's, it's an, that, that's such a motivation to strive to get to like a high level in your game so that you inspire others to, to, cause the kids are the future of the game. And yeah. if you can inspire that next generation, I mean, there's no greater gift that you can give to the game and there's nothing like, it's just it, it, for, for me, that's what it's about. So um, that's a perspective I've always had. Cause I just idolized, I idolized hockey growing up. I still do. And, and certain guys and like, you know, Joe Sackick uh, person I know very well. And, and obviously we worked through my trade to Ottawa together. And, and that was, uh, that was like, I mean, obviously a tough situation where um, I felt like I just needed to move on and, and everything, but Joe was so great about it. And, and I mean, he gave me a huge hug right after uh, Joe's Joe's a lifelong friend and, and my idol, you can do no wrong in my eyes. And, you know, like I said, it to like, if you can, if you can, um, I'm sure there's not people that think of me that way, uh, that's okay. But you know, you want to strive to get to that level to maybe have inspire some kids that way, whether it's in your hometown or, or, or in your local market. So that was one thing I found really special about playing in Ottawa was how many kids are at the game and Canadian kids that were looking at us the way that I would have looked at those guys. So I always felt, I always, uh, you know, felt, uh, felt a little bit extra pressure in a good way to play well. And, and, you know, um, you know, perform whenever I was on the ice. That leads me to a couple of questions right off of that. One is, 
Do you remember the first time you saw a kid wearing a Matt Duchesne would have been a Colorado Avalanche jersey? I don't remember the first time, but I remember when they started to like be there started to be prominent and it was cool. I mean, even still in Nashville, like I'm still relatively new. And when I get, when I start to see some 95 jerseys, especially on the road, that's when it's really cool is when you like, there was a few in the stands last night in Seattle. And like, I still at 13 years into my career, 31 years old, almost 900 games. That's still cool. I, I, I still, I still think it's so cool that somebody would pay their money to put my name on their back and number like it's humbling. Yep. And, you know, I'm kind of at that age now where I'm, I'm just so grateful for the gift that God's given me to play this game and, and, you know, be part of this league. And um, obviously, you know, it's, it's easier to be grateful when things are going well for yourself and for the team of this year. But even, even last year when it was tough, you know, just to, you know, you, you start to get, you start to kind of see the end of the tunnel, I guess. And I want to, I want to play a lot more years, but um, you know, I love to play along 40, but at the same time, I'm not 21 anymore. Right. So it's like a situation where you really take those things in a little bit more as you get older and math. I'm sure you near the end of your career, once you have kids, it's like a whole new perspective. hundred percent. And the champagne hits harder. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sure does. Yeah. I don't even go near it to be honest. Um, maybe a glass uh, on New Year's. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing you seem to always do when you get traded is always becomes a spectacle. You get traded in Long Island to come to Ottawa in the middle of the game. Then you get traded to go to Columbus, but play Ottawa like the next day or that night. I forget how many days in between. What was that game like for you to play, uh, in Ottawa, uh, as a member of the Blue Jackets? Yeah, it was weird. Um, you can look this up if you're looking up stats. I know you were talking about something else earlier. I can't remember what it was now, but. Um, I think I have to be the only player in maybe sports history to have played against my former team. Both times I got traded first game. (laughs) Cause that's right. Colorado and Sweden. Yeah. That is a cool stat. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I I would love to see if that's happened before. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it could. That is just crazy. Yeah. That morning I remember coming to the rink and Pierre had already told me that I was not going to play any more games once I decided I wasn't going to re-sign in Ottawa, which was obviously a tough decision because people treated me awesome there. I I loved my time there. But um, I remember coming to the rink, getting some treatment. I was going to skate just to stay in shape that morning. And we're playing Columbus that night. I'm looking at the board. I know they're a team that's maybe going to trade for me. And I'm like, man, that's a pretty good looking team right there. And that's a, like, that's a good, you know, good lineup. And, I'm on the table and he comes and grabs me and he goes, Hey, really close. We're really close to a deal, blah, blah. Sure enough, 10 minutes later, you got done. So I go home. I got to tell my wife, Kate, pack up the house. You know, I got to play tonight and then I'm flying to Columbus tonight. And it's like, we got to, I think my son was six weeks old at the time. Um, it was, it was wild coming back. It was, but it was so, it was nice at the same time. I was, there was no hostility or anything. And the, the organization did a nice little video tribute and stuff. And, you know, Part of me was it was bittersweet for sure because I, I I cared a lot about my teammates and the fans and the organization and stuff and it just it was a team that was right at the start of a rebuild and you know I was I just felt like I was too old for that at that point and I wanted to have a chance to win a cup and explore <clears throat> sorry explore my options elsewhere so um, very grateful for the sense the way they handled that situation how classy they were for sure a lot of classy people in that organization. Are you surprised how quickly it crumbled? In Ottawa, like it went from, a st- uh, I guess, a goal away from a cup final to two years out of the playoffs and everybody 
on their way out some form or other like that. I remember that game in Chicago when I think you and Stoner and Dezingle all sat that game at least or Zach Smith. No, he was gone. It was you Stoner and Dezingle, right? And it just felt like yeah. the, the world had come to an end. Yeah, it was Jersey. We went to Jersey. Right. We played our last game was in Chicago. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was wild. I, when I got traded to the, the Sens, I was like, this is a potential Stanley Cup team. And we started off the two games in, in Sweden. We beat Colorado and we like I think we had more shots in one game than they did in both games against us. Like we just dominated. We were so good. I was like, man, the talent on this team is crazy. And then, yeah, just fell apart. There was a lot of <clears throat> probably started math when you were last year, you were there, but there was a lot of weird, um, <clears throat> sorry, weird dynamics um, going on. And the guys were great, but it was just some weird stuff going. And I think it just imploded from the inside out and from top to bottom. And I, it was, I felt like an innocent bystander uh, watching the whole thing happen, but yeah, it was wild. I, I, I thought that was a team that could potentially make a run and, and a team that was going to stay together for a while. So it was, it was pretty crazy. Even just the next year to see the turnover after that first year. And then now, I mean, Frig, like who's left to uh, Kachuk and Shabbat, like maybe that's it. Um, yeah, it's wild for sure. Well, there's zero, there's zero players from right. Wally zero players from 2017. Am I wrong? <coughs> I think that sounds right. Right. Yeah. So there wouldn't, I, like, well, I looked it up. Like, so I was trying to see in the time frame that you were in Ottawa, uh, only Mark Stone had more points. He actually had 108. You had 107 points and you led the team with 50 goals. You are still between then and now third on the team in goals. Uh, uh, Kachuk and Ryan Dezingle has one more goal than you since the 2017-18 season. Like, it's wild the number of turnovers. There's been 101 players play since then, and uh, only 19 have played 100 games or more. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It, it, it's I, I, I've, it still blows my mind. It's unfathomable how much the change has been. Um, so, my when you were here though, as I just said, the numbers you put up were phenomenal. Fifty goals for over 108 games. 118 games. Um, did you feel comfortable on the ice? Yeah. I, when I came in, I, I really struggled at the start. Of it. I think I had like six points, my first 24 games or something yeah. like I couldn't, and I felt like I was playing, I felt like I was playing well, but I just could not get on the board and hitting goalposts and stuff. I remember Guy Boucher came up to me after um, like my third game that we played my first home game was against Pittsburgh. My second game was against Arizona. And I played really well both games. I had no points. He came up to me and he goes, he goes, he goes, Dutchie, I know what you're feeling. You could have eight points after those two games. And I remember it took me eight games to even get on anything on the board. Like it was just crazy. I remember just at Christmas time that year being really frustrated. Then after that, it started to click. And I had that game against San Jose where I think I scored in overtime. I had, I had two points in the third period and then scored an OT. Hoff fed back door for an open net and, after that, it was like, okay, I, I just loosened up. I, I felt, I felt irresponsible, you know, coming in, you know, being, you know, uh, the, you know, being added to the team. And, and I felt responsible to help that team get over the hump and get to that next level. And I think I probably put too much pressure on myself and was too hard on myself and gripping the stick a little bit and overthinking for sure. The coaching staff was so good with me there, help being patient and, and allowing me, allowing it to, to come and, Getting traded is a hard thing. I mean, you see a lot of guys yeah. get traded and <clears throat> they either light it on fire right off the bat and then struggle or they struggle and then pick.
pick it up. There's very few guys that get traded and it's just instant, you know, fireworks. Well, that leads me to Columbus. Like, did you feel more pressure in Columbus because of all they gave up to get you plus Dezingle, uh than you did in Ottawa? Like, it seemed like they were going for it and they gave up an awful lot to try and make it work and it just didn't pan out. Yeah, um, I didn't feel I didn't feel the pressure there um, as much. I struggled there too when I got traded. Um, just a different style of game. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I had half a point a game, and and you know when I got traded there, playoffs it was good though. I, I you know what it we were so close that year. I that, that year like even like talking to Nick Foligno, who's a really close friend of mine. I remember he cried after we lost because he was like, "Dude, I thought we were I thought we had it. Like I thought we were gonna do it." And, we had a hell of a series with Boston. Tuka Rask stole that series. Um, not stole it, but like he was the difference. Um, it, was it was, it was really tight. I mean, we hit six, we hit six crossbars in the last 61 minutes of that series, six crossbars. <laughs> like we hit, we, we should have tied it in Boston in game five to go to OT. And then we were hitting posts, crossbar and everything. And then their game winning goal in game six hit the crossbar went right on DeBrusque's stick and he shot or Krejci's stick and you put it in the open net, DeBrusque shot it. And it's like, you know what it's like, it's, it's this close. Right. And, you know, so that team, that was a, a cup contending team that we had. And obviously we all knew uh, Panarin and, and Bob leaving. So it was kind of, you know, one, it was kind of like, you know, that, that one last hurrah. And I was really grateful to be a part of it. The guys in that team were amazing. I, I enjoyed my time in Columbus so much. Um, everyone treated it my family and I like gold and, and yeah, that, that I really felt like I had a taste of kind of that playoff um, stuff that I'm, that I'm looking for, you know, that, that I, I continue, like even last year too, we had a tight series against Carolina. I want to, I want to go on a deep run and, and have a real chance to win a cup over the next, you know, however many years I'm in the, in the league. And I think we got a team here that can do it, but that year was, that year was very, I think we were very, very, very close. We get by Boston. I, I think, you know, I think we go to the finals and, and, you know, we, we would have played probably St. Louis and, and, you know, who knows? So they went to seven with Boston and um, you know, I, I really felt like us St. Louis and Boston that year at the time, when, once we got by Tampa, everyone was kind of talking about our three teams being like the teams that had the best chance. So um, that was a devastating series loss. That one there. Uh have you had a chance to perform on any stage in Nashville like you did after a game in Ottawa one time? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Uh, COVID's kind of throwing a monkey wrench into that. But, um, yeah, hopefully as concerts start to pick back up, uh, I get a chance to get up and play again. Where does Matt Duchesne want to play more, Tootsies or Legends? Oh, Tootsies. <laughs> yeah. Tootsies. <laughs> yeah. It's such – I miss Nashville. Nashville is the one t- place that – every player wants to get to that I know of. It's, it's amazing. It's even better than, than everyone was like, Oh, Duchesne's going there for the country music. Country music was like, I can listen to country music anywhere. It's not like I'm going to be going to Broadway during like after practice. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously it's nice when you get a green light to go, you go out down there, you go to some of the, they have some awesome local, more local bars too. But um, just the lifestyle down there is incredible. Like I grew up obviously in Halliburton and, and being from Ontario, I mean, it's such an easy, easy transition to, uh, to, um, um, life there. You know, people yeah. are so nice. Like the, the Southern hospitality is very similar to the, uh, to the Canadian, you know, manners and, oh, sorry, you know, like all that stuff. And, you know, 
I, I, I like a lot of the, uh, a lot of the Southern customs, just the manners and stuff. And like, so yeah, Nashville's home forever for us. I mean, we're never, we're never leaving. So, um, like obviously I, there's a chance, obviously I could play somewhere different depending on if they, if they uh, trade me or don't resign me after this deal or whatever, obviously as a pro athlete, that's something you go through, but Nashville's home, you know, forever for us. And we love it so much. And it's been great. Is that even with Bobby Ryan as your neighbor? Yeah. Yeah. Bobby. Yeah. Um, yeah, we both, uh, yeah, you've done your homework, man. Yeah. We both, he's not right beside me. Actually him and Yost have lots beside each other. Yost might sell his lot, but yeah, Bobby, uh, we love the Ryans. They're great. And, uh, um, Danielle and Ash got along really well. Their kids are sweet. Bobby and I, um, I've known Bobby for a long, long time, even before I was in Ottawa. And he was, he was so good to me when I came, um, got traded there. He left a, I remember him leaving me a voicemail right after I got traded and, um, <clears throat> sorry, yeah, he's a guy I definitely think a lot of, and yeah, I, I'll see a bit more of him for sure. <laughs> um, one of the traditions in Nashville, I don't know how it's going with COVID and probably not the same is the catfish gets thrown on the ice. Have you ever eaten catfish or could you bring yourself to do that? Oh yeah. Catfish is delicious. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's really good. It's just a white fish, like walleye. Agreed. It's, it's, it's really good. If I see it on the menu, I, I get it. We, uh, we haven't had any catfish on the ice this year. We're still, I mean, getting great fans and selling. We, I mean, we had fans all last year too, which a lot of people don't yeah. realize. So, um, this, the first four games we didn't, and then we started to open up and open up playoffs. We had 14,000 fans. So we weren't allowed to be full capacity, but we had 14,000 for game, uh, game six there at home. And there's catfish on the ice and Taylor Luan from the Titans is chugging beers. And, uh, I think <laughs> you guys probably saw that yeah. like camping beers, but he was with one of my buddies, uh, uh for that and i was just looking at him like this is amazing and barstool made a shirt for it i i i want to stress that like playing in nashville was like at least when i was younger in columbus and they had a really good team people up here i don't think realize what kind of atmosphere is there when that building is rocking and it's full it's an absolute nightmare for an opponent to go in there so i i totally agree with the comments of your dutch yeah yeah no especially with our team now like i mean they love the fighting because a lot of the people there like there's a lot of people that don't know hockey that well, right? Like they're adopting it as their new sport. And so when they see some Canadian like Borough with no teeth, drop the gloves and just beat the wheels off somebody. This is fun. Yeah. What's icing, but like, that's great. So yeah. um, no, great. that place gets rocking and, and the way we're playing right now has the city buzzing. And um, we would have loved to see the Titans go further, obviously, but we're kind of the only show in town now. So all eyes are on us in town and the city, it's unbelievable how good the fan base is. Like I'll drive, I'll, I'll drive from my place, which is, I live in Brentwood, which is about 25 minutes south of the city. And I drive, I drive into town and I will see five cars with Preds license plates and another five cars with like window stickers with our logo every single day. I'm like, wow, like this is, this is like our flags are everywhere in the city on all the bars. Like it's so cool to be a part of. I've never felt quite that way. Columbus had a sneaky, sneaky good fan base. Yes. Um, like almost like, as you know, too, right. Like almost like a cult, little cult following. Yeah. Um, that was, they were, that building was still the loudest building I've ever played. And when, we, when we beat Tampa, the game, when you guys were, when you guys had crazy. to run, they were on their feet yeah. the whole time. It was nuts. It was absolute bananas uh, yeah. in there. Like, like the volume in that rink. Um, it's, it's, it's the most underrated fan base, maybe in sports. I actually. agree. Yeah, they've stood through a lot of bad years and they're still there. Um, yes. And that, that playoff run was just, it was deafening. It was absolutely bananas. And 
obviously the crowds in Nashville are very similar um, to that as well. So it's been fun, you know, going from Columbus to Nashville now with just the following and fan base has been great. Uh, two last questions. One is if you could pick one former Ottawa Senator teammate to do a duet with on stage, who would it be? <laughs> uh, Zing, Zinger for sure. Zinger is one of my best buddies in hockey. And he actually, he does, he actually can sing a little bit. He has this, he does this thing where he, he puts his voice down really low and he sounds like uh, uh, jo- Josh, you can imitate Josh Turner pretty good. So I was sure we could do like maybe a year man, uh, duet or something he sings it pretty good the uh you know yeah i won't sing it for you guys right now but you guys know that song (laughs) Uh, no i don't if you want to sing it go ahead um no i'm good we got in late i got no voice (laughs) yes fair enough uh if you're on the couch watching a movie um what is your cheat snack Ooh, ice cream probably milkshake hey, that's a new one some, we heard that one yeah well we've had ice cream, ice cream. So, yeah somebody had ice cream once some, some sort of dessert um my wife and i are just we're bad we have such sweet tooths and it's like it's so hard to there's time i've been i've been trying to i've been trying to uh be a little stricter lately um <laughs> i was hurt over christmas and i we had that covid break and it got away from me a little bit so i've been trying to I, I can I can eat so healthy normal food, but when it comes to sweets, I like okay. You know, I, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that walks by the the counter and the Lind, chocolate Lindors or the Hershey's Kisses are there, and it's just like oh, I'll have one. Oh, okay, walk by in ten minutes. Like, oh, I'll have another one. Then I've eaten a whole pack for, in like a day. Dutch, what do you do then for pregame meal? Are you like that big heavy ass chicken parm guy, or are you like the light salmon no, guy? I do. I do a bit of. I do gluten free pasta with salmon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But See, I, that was, I, but that's I, a new thing. Players never used yeah. to eat the gluten-free pasta. And now when I when I got to Dallas, which was like 2016, I think it was, all of a yeah. sudden there's gluten-free pasta. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And I started eating it and I felt better. Yeah, no, it's a little bit lighter. I, I don't do great with a ton of uh gluten and carbs and stuff. I just get I just get fat and sluggish and it's just and not you good. Nap so for three hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's good for pregame naps, not so much for the actual game, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I still put the Alfredo sauce on a little bit. It's just too good not to have a little bit. I, I mix it. I used to just do Alfredo. Now I put a little bit of Alfredo and then marinara with it and make a little red sauce. So nice. as you get you know, too, as you get older, it's a, you gotta, you gotta clean it up a little bit too. The, the, the carbs stick to you, stick to the ribs a little bit more than they used to. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Maddie, we appreciate your time. We're going to let you go. I know you got to get ready for a game tomorrow. So uh, thank you for stopping by. It's been good to catch up. Uh, we've always enjoyed our time and we get to have a chance to chat with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Brent. Great to be on. And uh, you're always so good to be in Ottawa uh, through thick and thin. So I appreciate it. And, uh, and Matt, yeah, I wish we got to play together there, buddy. I, I, I know how good of a teammate and, and guy you, you are and were and everything. So um, yeah, all the best guys. And we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Dutch. Thanks, Dutch. All right. See you guys. All right, welcome back, and thanks once again to Matt Duchesne. Uh, I'm hoping he has a fantastic season ahead. Um, by the way, speaking of fantastic seasons, Nick Holden has signed a one-year extension, uh, $1.3 million, uh, going into next year. Uh, welcome to the show, Craig, by the way. I totally forgot about you. Hey, guys. Uh, uh, Nick Holden time. <laughs> uh, Matt, you know Nick. Um, he's a guy that plays like 19 minutes a night. Um, it seems to be a fairly good signing because it's economical, uh, and he's played fairly well. Yeah, well, I, and I know Holdy very well. I played with him, as a matter of fact. So um, really, really positive 
uh, nice guy, like just an all around great family guy, uh, really good influence to have in your dressing room, which is huge. Uh, but let's forget about that. I mean, 1.3 for his plays is uh, fantastic. I mean, I, I'm surprised he signed for that. I thought, I mean, you look, you look at a guy like Delzato making 2 million a year, and then you've got Holden making one, three, that's a huge signing for the Ottawa Senators. So congratulations to Nick Holden in the sense he's a stabilizer. Yeah. Um, he makes everybody look pretty good. He's a calming influence on the ice, right? You can play him with just about anybody and he can fit right into that role, whether it be even on the top line, second, third, doesn't matter. Um, so that's, that's a big signing. I, I was hoping they would do this. Uh, I've liked his play so far this season. He's fantastic with Zoog. Um, so uh, good for Nick. Uh, I'm not surprised though at all. I, I, the only thing I'm surprised about is, is the actual dollar amount. I thought he'd make more. I thought for a player like Nick Holden, who's averaging what? Um, what's he, was it just under 20 minutes a game? Yeah. That's, I mean, 1.3 is a steal. I'm just wondering about the flat cap and the way the economy has gone of late, if it plays a part into it, but Clearly he likes Probably. Ottawa. They like him. Um, so I was glad to see him get that done. Um, I, I, I got to ask you about Brady Kachuk and I meant to do this earlier. And that was, uh, and Craig, you can weigh in here too. He's gone now 10 games without scoring a goal. I understand that that's not the be all to end all, but that's part of his game. He looks tired yeah. to me as he played too much hockey of late. And we talked about coming into the season about missing training camp and you'll see a lull. I don't know if it's now this long into the season, but it would appear he's kind of hit one. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't attribute that to missing training camp. I would understand that being a factor in the first maybe 10 games, but we're yeah. well beyond that now. So that can't be an issue. That's a, just a bad excuse. I think he, I was watching him a lot last game. Uh, he's buzzing. He's there. Like he's in those areas. There was a couple opportunities that he had missed. One, a couple kind of whiffed off his yeah. stick on like a couple one-timers. He did have that. 12 like he, shots on goal. I will. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was that's why exactly. So he's getting chances. He's just not, he's just, he's, he's, um, he's bit right now, right? Like he's just not getting it. Uh, and, and that's, that happens to players where you get snake bitten, you're not able to finish, but it would be an issue if he wasn't engaged, if he wasn't getting the chances. And this is sort of the same line of thought that I had with Tim Stutzler early on in the season. I use this as an example where Timmy was still getting a ton of chances. He just wasn't burying them. So it, you talk about body language. I can understand the tired thing. It almost kind of looks that way, but I think a yeah. lot of that is just lack of production because we're used to seeing Brady with the celebrations, throwing his hands up in the air, very animated. When he's not scoring goals, it looks a little more quiet because his goals are never really pretty goals, right? He scores in those hard areas, those dirty areas around the net where, you know, you got to get your nose dirty a little bit and they're not always going to be highlight real stuff. So all of a sudden he's not getting those. And everything's sort of magnified, right? It's like, oh, where'd Brady Kachuk go? I'm not really yeah. seeing him right now. It's going to come. I think the chances are going to get there. I don't see this being a huge issue. The team's playing well. I think that's number one. If you're the captain, your main issue is, are we winning games? Their record speaks for that, right? Over the last month and a half, two months, they've been pretty good. So I think that's probably his main concern. Production's going to come back. It comes and goes with forwards. They can be streaky at times. What do, what do we do to get Brady out of it? Like how do you, how does he get out of this? Is it just stick to it, keep grinding it out? Get a goal, right? Like yeah. like get your nose right in front of that goal center. Like for Carolina tonight, get into that hard area, make life difficult for those defensemen. Get into some puck battles. Maybe you pop one in. It might not be pretty. It might be a rebound. All of a sudden, your confidence goes up. You get that one goal, and and I can speak to that because I mean, I never scored, right? So when I did score, and if it was early on in the game, man, I felt good. Like the whole game, you're just confident. You're like, okay. Hey, I got my goal or I got my assist or I got a big hit. Now I'm engaged and I feel really good about myself. That's, 
that's the, something we talk about a lot as players when it comes to the confidence. When fans hear those buzzwords like, oh, he needs confidence. That's what that is. It's getting that goal or that hit early on in a game. And all of a sudden, your play's lifted, your mood is lifted, and things just seem to kind of kind of come on a little easier. And uh, Tyler Ennis touched on that last game too in his interview. He talked about it. So that's something I want to see out of Brady. But, you know, you can't just – you can't just will it. You need to be a little fortunate. You need to be in the right spots. It'll come. I was going to say punch the goalie in the head, but I digress. So uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, Nick Paul uh, came out with his uh, charity event uh, from Youth Mental Health. Um, he's going to donate money uh, throughout the year. Uh, he's a UFA at the end of the year, guys. And we all know Nick Paul, a uh, friend of the show. We quite like him. He says he wants to stay, but for a guy making 1.3 million, who's a UFA at 26, does he not get the right to just go out and see what the market is? He gets the right, but I mean, it depends on the player and his, um, you know, his, his thought process. How confident is he in his game? Um, if you're if you're a high scoring elite player, typically those are the guys. And we talked to Bobby Ryan about that, right? He made a really good point where he mentioned, you know. I don't mind. I'll go to free agency. If you guys don't want to give me what I want, I'll, you know, I'll walk. I don't care because they know what they bring to the table. Sure. When you're a role player, a defensive defenseman, or maybe a guy like Nick Paul, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to conflate Nick Paul with being like a stay at home D man. He's a different player. He's very good, but maybe not as confident, right. As far as that long-term where he sees himself being projected out as. So when someone's dangling that little carrot in front of you, with a little bit of term, you see that as job security, it's hard to turn that down. And, and, and we, for all we know, Nick Paul genuinely wants to stay here. And, and, and I mean, that's how I felt when I was going through my negotiations with Ottawa. So, um, you know, it's easy to say, oh, just go to free agency, see what you'll get, but you never know what could happen. You can get injured. Maybe your play just regresses and you're, you're, you're trending downward all of a sudden and your value decreases. So if you're Nick Paul and you see a little bit of term on the table, maybe two to $3 million a year, that might be, something you're looking at. So I don't know what his terms at. I don't know what he wants, but I mean, I think I can speak for him as far as having job security is a huge thing as a pro athlete. Your careers are so short. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see what he's looking for, but I, I do genuinely believe he wants to stay. I hope he stays. It's a key. I I think it's a case of the grass is greener too, right? Like I, some guys think that way and they, they look at the money or whatever, but maybe you go to a team that where you don't have as many advocates and you don't have as many like fans, but they didn't watch you develop and grow into the player you are. So you're kind of a little more disposable. And you see that with some of the guys that have left the Sens, right? Like they're, they're not, they're not treated the same because they, they, they didn't come up in that yeah. system. So some guys value that. Um, Brent, what do you think? What do you think uh, Nick Paul's going to do with his uh, decision? I want, him to, I, I want him to get set. For life, if you will, like this is a big contract for him. So I'd like him to go see what's out there. I, unless they, they offer him $4 million a year, uh, which I don't think is going to happen. I would like them to see uh, to see him go test the free agent market only for him. By the way, we have a Baxter yeah. sighting. In our yeah, he's just he's wandering back there. I love Baxter. Yeah, um, yeah I he's got a good boy. Okay, before we go, I have some pet peeves I need to discuss with you guys. When is the right time to turn off the outside Christmas lights on your house? You still have them up? We'll get to that in a second. Just to answer the question. I mean, we took ours down, I think, like days after New Year's. <laughs> it was gone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, don't I don't want to throw Lisa under the bus. I'm just <laughs> we, we like de-Christmas like pretty early, early January. We didn't put up the outside lights until this year. I don't know. I didn't get into it. New, They're new still on new at our house. Oh, really? That's too. Oh, yeah. yeah Half the street <laughs> lit up. 
see that that like at this point being like almost in, we're almost in february yeah for me that just comes across as lazy like if you're if you're driving by and you're seeing the lights on you're thinking oh they just they they're just too lazy to take them down you know you see the odd person yeah and it's like july and they still have their christmas yeah. shit up like that's sort of what i can attribute it to I think, I think you can get a bit of a pass this year. Cause it's like, some people love Christmas, right? Like they, yeah. they just want, like they put it up early and they take it. So if like, I mean, you're kind of stuck, not doing much anything anyways, and you want to just enjoy the Christmas in your, I get it. I guess some people are like that. No, but no, I skip, get the, get it out. We're moving I, on. Yeah. I want them down. Um, and yeah. finally, is it just me or is everybody's new cars headlights are extremely <laughs> bright and you can't see at night? Have you noticed this? I don't I don't drive at night, so I don't know any better. But I, I do know this. I get flashed my high beams all the time. People flick their high beams at me all yep. the time. Because your truck, truck sits up. Yep. Yeah. Same. So, so my lights are, my head, exactly. So I'm always getting people, and I'm just like, and I'll flash the beams back, and then they're probably thinking, they're oh, like, shit, he doesn't even have his beams on. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. think these are high beams? It's like, <laughs> yeah. That's right. They're so bright these days. All cars. Anyway. Yeah, I know. That's my no, pet peeve. LEDs. I'm just, yeah. I'm just old is what that's coming down to. That's fair. These are yeah. the things you talk about when you get older. <laughs> you know what? Next show, all on the weather. We're just going to discuss the weather. Where to get the cheapest gas. <laughs> stuff like that. That's the old world. Huh? Yeah. In my day. All right, yeah. boys. We'll uh, see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. That's uh, Wally Mathot Show. Thanks for tuning in.